Welcome to the podcast of Sozo Church. For more information about Sozo, please visit sozosmtx.com. Awesome. So for us as a church family, it's our desire, not just that we would be a people that gather, but that we would actually see the kingdom of heaven advanced through us as a people. One of the things that as we started that was on my heart to do is to make it so that somebody could say yes to Jesus as a result of the ministry of our church family and step into their destiny. That, that from beginning to end, that as a church family, we wouldn't just have a, a body that entertains and cares for people, but actually launches people into their destiny. That we would, even in time, that we would become a movement that would plant churches all over the place. And, uh, and I love what God is doing because he is sending people our way that are being developed and prepared to be launched uh, in all sorts of ways. This last summer, we gave our first round of discipleship school. It was called Sozo Summer Intensive. We aimed this one at uh, just at uh, young adults and college students. This time next year, we'll be starting one uh, in the evenings for everybody that everybody can jump into. Um, and we love what God is doing because we really feel like he's creating a place where people can grow in their identity and be launched into whatever God would call them which is exciting because I believe that's the, the role of the church is to raise people up that would change the world. Amen? Amen. So in part of that conversation, our goal is to, to help develop people and provide the right steps so that people can grow. A big piece of stepping into your identity is stepping out of the junk that holds you back. Amen? And so many of us, none of us had a perfect start, right? Like so many of us, uh, because of decisions made long before we were even born, some of us, or most of us, actually all of us, because of the decisions we've made, stuff that's been done to us, uh, we end up living at less than God's best for us. And so what we decided to do as part of that journey, we call it our, our next steps pathway. We haven't talked about it a lot on Sunday mornings. We talk about it a lot in our next steps class. Um, but as part of that, we have a high value for freedom. You know, our, our name is Sozo. And some of you have thought, well, what does that mean? It means saved, healed, delivered, made whole, set free. It's actually in our call as a people to see people launched into their destiny and set free from the things that would hold them back. And so part of that process, we, we've been developing this, this whole year, we're really teaching on what it looks like to live fully alive, what it looks like to live free. Um, but part of that is that we um, have uh, had a heart to develop um, something that would actually be a pathway that people could walk into freedom. And so uh, in a few weeks, October 8th and 9th, we're having Freedom Weekend. And as we were talking with our team just about what does it look like to take a whole group of people through a pathway to freedom, we thought, man, we, we need to do a gathering for that. Now, there is still need uh, for many of us to have people that we process with, that we're being discipled by, that we even have one-on-one -on -one prayer sessions with to move into freedom. But we really felt like it was important that we could have something for our whole church family as part of that pathway to get launched into God's purpose and so we developed Freedom Weekend. And what we did is I was talking with our team. We said, hey, who, who is doing this well? Who has done this well 
around, uh, around the world. And uh, a name came up, a guy named Bob Hamp. And Bob uh, was, has done ministry for a long time. He's a professional counselor, um, was on staff at uh, Gateway in Dallas doing their freedom ministry. And they would see thousands of people a year step into freedom through their ministry. Um, and so I was talking with our team and I said, well, if, if Bob's one of the best at doing this, then I know we're just a little church, but I believe this about you, that our church family deserves the very best, right? And so I said, hey, let, let's go big. Let's get the very best and let's have Bob, let's see if he'll, he'll train our team. And I said, well, why don't we even just see if he'll come and lead the first round for us? And so if you don't know the name Bob Hamp, you could Google it. You'll find out all sorts of stuff. You'll learn a lot just watching videos on YouTube. But Bob's going to be with us. And he's not just a random guy that we thought, hey, it would be good to bring in. But Bob has been doing this for a long time. He's a, a professional family counselor, but he has a strong belief in the power of Jesus to set people free. And so I just want to encourage you, if you're free or have the opportunity to make yourself available to be at that weekend, um, it's going to be an incredible time and uh, you will be very glad that you did. All right? Cool. So we're going to, this morning, we are going to continue in uh, our, uh, our series, Unstuck. How many of you have been stuck before in life? Like sometimes our, our getting stuck is because of the circumstances around us. Sometimes it's the belief systems that we have. Sometimes we're stuck because of fear. Sometimes we're stuck because of disappointment. Sometimes we're, we're uh, stuck because we just don't know what to do. Sometimes we're stuck because we have bad ruts in life. How many of you have ever been on an old country road, like a dirt road? If you're in Texas, you probably have been, right? And in, in those roads, if it's a well-worn road, then you've got those two ruts, and you actually don't even have to steer on those roads. They'll actually work like tracks, and they'll just kind of pull your car along. And sometimes it takes, take, if you want to go in a different direction, it takes grabbing the wheel and making a hard turn to get out of those ruts. For a lot of my life, I lived stuck in those ruts. I was actually, I would say this, I was bound by sin and I could not get free. On top of that, what I found was religion. And what religion said to me is this, Joel, you're probably going to struggle with this for the rest of your life. Just get used to battling it well. Everybody struggles with that. Oh, yeah. Yeah, that's a bad one. You're probably just going to be stuck. How many of you have received counsel like that? It sounds like Job's friends. How many of you know that Jesus did not go to the cross and die so that you could cope? Jesus did not go to the cross and die and give his life for you so that you could manage your sin better. And so often, all that religion does is offer us coping mechanisms for our sin instead of seeing us set free. Jesus said, I have come to proclaim freedom for prisoners to set captives free. 
You know the difference between a prisoner and a captive? A prisoner is in chains because of something they did, right? Like they've been found guilty and now they're stuck because of what they've done. A captive is actually the victim of somebody else's decision. This morning, I wanna talk to us about being prisoners. Now, a lot of times those two things are actually intertwined, right? Like we get wounded and then we respond and we develop behaviors based on the responses, based on our responses to the trauma that we've experienced, okay? When I was a little kid, uh, I was at a birthday party. I was probably uh, first grade or so. One of my good friend's birthday parties was an overnight deal. And one of the kids began to describe the sexual abuse that he experienced at the hands of his older brother. Now, he didn't describe it as sexual abuse, but he began to describe what he experienced. As a result in my life, though nothing physically sexually happened to me in that moment, I had thoughts and images in my head that would mess with me and at a young age open up sexuality in my life in a way that wounded and traumatized me, though I did not know that's what I was experiencing. And it resulted in bad patterns in my life for about a decade. I felt so stuck. On top of that, we know this, that sin always comes with its friends. Guilt and shame and condemnation and fear. And what those friends do is they actually protect their friend's sin and keep you stuck so that you can't get out of that rut. And then we begin to believe this lie. And the lie is something like this. It's not that big a deal. Everybody's doing it. So try it. Heard that before, right? And then it goes this way. Once you try it, you are it. So it moves from experience to identity. And then it says this. Once you are it, you can't change it. And it leaves us stuck in hopelessness. And sin begins to be met by guilt, fear, shame, condemnation in such a way that you can't ever get out of those ruts. But Jesus came to set you free. Let me say this to you. There is nothing that you have done, experience had done to you that Jesus can't enter into and redeem and set you free from. Every standard that Jesus sets, his grace empowers us to be transformed and to meet. So you do not have to stay stuck. Amen? Is that good news? Just to me? All right, go with me to John chapter 8. We're going to read a story that you've heard before and maybe see a few things in it that you have not. It says, at dawn, he, Jesus, appeared in the temple courts where all the people gathered around him. He sat down to teach them. The teachers of the law and the Pharisees brought a woman caught in adultery. 
You know this, it takes two to tango with that one, right? I don't know where the, the guy was, assuming it's a guy, but uh, somehow they just got her. Maybe he ran and got away. Maybe he was one of them. It says, they made her stand before the group and said to Jesus, teacher, this woman was caught in the act of adultery in the law Moses commands us to stone such a woman. Now, what do you say? They were using this question to trap, as a trap in order to have a basis for accusing him. Now, here's what you need to understand. What they're bringing to Jesus, they think it's a trap, but it's actually an opportunity because you can't trap Jesus. The devil tried that with the grave, didn't work so well. But what they're doing is they're using the law as a way to trap Jesus. Jesus, interestingly, said, I have not come to abolish the law, but to fulfill it. So this puts Jesus, if you and I were in his shoes, in a really interesting place. Jesus actually had high honor for the law but he was going to fulfill it instead of come under it. Let me say it this way. He lived under the law in order to satisfy the law so that you and I would be set free from the law. So he actually did come under it, let me say it that way, but he did it in such a way that he could bring us into righteousness by faith in him, not by our performance. But Jesus bent down and started to ride on the ground with his finger, When they kept on questioning him, he straightened up and said to them, let any one of you who is without sin be the first to throw a stone at her. A stern at her. Let's throw him boats. (laughs) Hooked on phonics will work for me one day. Again, he stooped down and wrote on the ground. At this, those who who heard begin to go away one at a time, the older ones first, until only Jesus was left. The woman still standing there. The woman was still standing there. Jesus straightened up and asked her, woman, where are they? Has no one condemned you? No one, sir. So the reality is this. What Jesus is saying, he did not say that she doesn't deserve to be stoned. We know this, Romans says it this way, that the wages of sin is death. But what Jesus did is made it very clear that there is no ranking order to our sin. That even the smallest, littlest thing earns us, the wages of, earns us death. Think about it this way. Adam and Eve ate fruit, right? Like, it's not like they killed somebody, right? So, so, so sin, we tend to judge it from man's eyes as if it has a magnitude, as if there's some sort of sliding scale to sin, right? But that's not the way that Jesus saw it. But then he says this, that I don't condemn you. He says, then neither do I condemn you. 
So Jesus isn't condemning her. We see that in Romans 8. There, whoever is in Christ Jesus, there is no condemnation, right? So he doesn't condemn us. Here's what Jesus is doing. He always lived and operated in the new covenant, even before the new covenant was enacted on earth. And what he was doing was inviting her into the new covenant in that moment, which is this. It moves the conversation from your performance to Jesus's performance on the cross. And so Jesus is saying, hey, I am dealing with your sin so that you don't have to. But then he says something really interesting. He says, go now and leave your life of sin. Here's how that would play in 21st century Western culture. Oh, it's okay. Yeah, it's not a big deal. Your sin, it doesn't really matter. That's not what Jesus said. See, here's the problem that we face in our day is that we've normalized sin. We've made excuses for sin. We said, it's not that big a deal. It's okay. Oh, don't worry about that. Jesus never normalized sin because when we normalize sin, we remove the potential for freedom. Let me say that again. When we normalize sin, we remove the potential for freedom because then what we say to the person is, what you're doing is okay. But here's the problem. Sin is not simply breaking the law. Sin isolates you from God and it brings death into your life in such a way that you will never experience the life that God came for you to have. You'll never sin your way into your destiny. And so we have to recognize that it's actually grace that calls sin, sin, so that it can then address sin and bring you up out of it. Are you with me? So anytime we say, it's okay for you to live that way, it's okay for you to do that thing, God still loves you anyways, what we do is we actually set a trap for people that leads to confusion and leaves them stuck in their patterns. It's not very far off from people saying to me, you're gonna struggle with that all of your life. Sin is going against the intelligent design of an intelligent creator. It's rebellion against God that actually separates you from him and from his purposes. Sin would not be sin if it did not have an immediate appeal, right? Like, like there's an, nobody would sin if it didn't in the moment meet a need, right? Nobody would sin if it was like, oh, sinning, I just, I know this is going to be really bad. The reason why we sin is because we're short-sighted. Is we think, oh, this momentary thing will satisfy enough and I'll keep going. But when we recognize sin for what it is, when we see it for the long game, we recognize that it will always lead to death. And it doesn't simply lead to physical death, although that's part of it, but it also leads to a death of hope, a death of your future, a death of your destiny. 
And what I want to say to you this morning, what Jesus was saying to that woman caught in adultery, he didn't say it's okay. He didn't say, oh, it'll be all right. He named it for what it was and said, you don't have to sin anymore. I want to say to you, you don't have to sin anymore. I'm not saying to you that you won't ever. And I'm not saying to you that your salvation is based on your perfection. No, it's based on the perfection of Jesus. But what I am saying to you is that Jesus has said that you are no longer a slave to sin. He set you free. Here's what happens when you are free. A free person has a choice. So essentially what Jesus did is he put us back in the garden with two trees. And here's, here's why it's important that you have a choice. You can't be free unless you have a choice. You can't love without a choice because love always is a choice and always gives a choice. God wasn't looking for robots. He was looking for sons and daughters to walk in relationship with him. And so he always gives us choice. So Jesus came not to make you his slave. He came to make you his son and daughter who lives with the choice. And so there's no pattern of sin so deep and so dark that Jesus can't set you free and give you life and the ability to walk with him in freedom. Here's the problem that many of us face when it comes to sin is we like the idea of freedom because we don't want to experience the harmful effects of our sin, but we still want to go our own way. What Galatians 5.16 says is this, whoever walks by the Spirit won't satisfy the desires of the flesh. So your freedom now puts you at a place of choice where you can choose to walk by the Spirit. See, most of us would rather be controlled by the Spirit, right? Like, I don't even have to choose, just make me do what's right. But that's being like an infant, God doesn't want you to be an infant. He wants you to be a mature son or daughter. And so he wants you to, to learn what it looks like to walk with him into maturity, not to stay stuck in immaturity. Where are you stuck? If we're just going to be really honest, nobody's going to pressure you to do anything Nobody's even going to ask you for the answer to the question. But where are you stuck? Are you stuck in anger? Are you stuck in greed? Are you stuck in lust and self-centeredness? Are you stuck in manipulation? What is it that has you stuck? Because I believe that there is nothing that God can't unstick you from. Nothing. And here's the way that it works, is that our response, when we recognize where we're stuck, our starting place is confession. Say confession. Confession is an acknowledgement that something is not as it should be. Scripture says that if we confess our sins, 
that he is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and purify. Say purify. Purify means to make pure, right? To purify us from all unrighteousness. Jesus removes not just the effects of sin, but the stain of sin. He restores your purity to you. So confession is the first step. Most of us stuck in religion and in sin management, we confess and expect the outcome to be different the next time around. Let me say this to you. There is a difference between confession and repentance. Confession is an acknowledgement that something is wrong. Repentance means to change the way that you think. And so most of us try to confess our way into freedom, but confession is actually just the first step on the pathway to freedom. Confession says, God, I, I blew it. I need help. Would you help me? I receive your forgiveness. It's, it's huge that you learn to receive God's forgiveness. That's huge. Where we get stuck is we think that that's it. But that actually positions me in a place to hear from God. Many times people will say something like this. Oh, I just fell into sin. You can't fall into sin. You have to choose sin. You can't sin on accident. You may be so stuck in the patterns of sin that you don't make a cognitive decision to do it because it's just you on autopilot, you're in those ruts. But you don't just sin on mistake. That's actually against the definition of sin. It's not an accident that you fall into. It's a choice that you make. Now, sometimes because of our choices or our environment, sin seems normal. So we don't even recognize that it's sin. Right? Like we live in a day and age that anybody can sleep with anybody and it's not a big deal because love is love. The problem is, is that God has designed us to have sex inside of marriage because it creates a bond that is really, really good. That's protected by the terms of your covenant or your vows. When we have sex outside of marriage, what happens is we become one with somebody without any terms for our vows, our hearts, our souls get connected to them. And now we say stuck and it begins to do damage to us. It drops our value low. It, it distorts all sorts of stuff. And so God actually provides a way for us to get free. And how many of us know, man, I, I need that. But when we stop calling sin, sin, it actually leaves us trapped. So you don't sin on accident. Instead, it's a choice. But Jesus came to set you free. What repentance does, so confession acknowledges what I did was not okay. What repentance does is it says, okay, God, help me learn how to think differently about this. You see, because we don't sin on accident, there's stuff going on in our head that actually leads us into the path that we choose. Does that make sense? So sin is often trying to get a legitimate need met illegitimately. 
Oftentimes, our sin is a shortcut to God's best for us. And so when we don't recognize that God is good, that he has our best in his mind for us, his best intentions and the ability to do it, then we start going down these other roads. And so for many of us, we have learned how to cope with sin and we have to learn how to trust God for our best. And so what repentance does is it invites God to give me his way of thinking in those circumstances. You with me? I believe this, that God wants us to learn how to think like him. And that he actually wants to break the strongholds created by our bad thinking so that we can move into his best for us. The Christian life was not meant to be lived as an ongoing battle with sin. There is much, much more for you to accomplish in your life than just fighting sin. Some of you, you're here for the first time, and you're like, oh man, this guy, all he's doing is talking about sin. <laughs> That's not all we talk about, by the way. But I believe it's a, it's a significant issue that we learn how to partner with the grace of God in, this, in order to step into our purpose. If you want to dive more deeply into this, I encourage you to read Romans 6, 7, and 8 this week. And what it'll tell you is that you are no longer a slave to sin. This morning, as I've been talking, some of you have, many of you have had thoughts that have come to your mind where the Holy Spirit is just beginning to surface things that, that he wants to work on in you. Let me say this to you. What God does is he'll, he'll bring conviction. And when our conviction is left unaddressed, the enemy will begin to speak on top of that condemnation. And that condemnation will try to lock you in and make your identity the issue that God actually brought up in conviction. And so what's essential for us is that we respond to his conviction so that we can move forward in righteousness. That we don't leave things unchecked, but instead we allow God to begin to speak life to us so that we can move forward into God's purposes. Here's what I've learned for myself is that I need to keep a short leash on the way that I think so that it keeps me out of trouble. And so what I do is I watch the level of joy in my life. Let me ask you a question that my friend Muzz asked me. So when was the last time that you were full of joy and sinned? Right? Never happened. So what I've realized is that my responsibility, from, if Jesus came to give life and life to the full, if the kingdom of heaven is righteousness, peace, and joy in the Holy Spirit, is what Romans 14, 17 says, is that if I keep a watch on what's going on in here, then sin has no appeal to me. And one of the things that I love 
is I just fight sin. See, most of us try to fight sin with striving instead of fighting sin with spiritual joy fare. And what, and what if we just, if the presence of God is fullness of joy, what if we fought sin with joy? If we, if we fought sin by enjoying God instead of tried to fight sin with striving. Because what I've found is that striving just makes it worse. Striving actually sets the trap that I fall into. So what I believe that God wants you to know this morning is that he's not angry with you. That he's actually madly in love with you. That he has and is and will separate your sin from you as far as the east is from the west. In fact, the, the reality of the new covenant is that he said that he would remember our sins no more. Some of you are stuck because you're choosing to remember what he's already decided to forget. And I believe this, that what God wants to do in us is to set us free so that we can step into our purpose. And you don't have to tolerate those things going on in your life. And so this morning in this next song, I just wanna open up the front. You don't have to come down front, but you are welcome to. Just for you to do business with God. You can do it in your seat, but sometimes there's something significant about stepping out and just saying, okay, I'm gonna put a stake in the ground. And here's what that looks like. The first step is this, that I would confess, that I would acknowledge that there are things going on in my life that I feel so stuck and powerless in that I keep doing them and they are wreaking havoc on my life. And then the second step is this, that I would ask God to show me his way of thinking about the issue, to teach me how to think in that area of my life. And I believe that God wants to disciple you, to parent you into a better way of thinking so that you can walk in freedom. Would you stand with me? Some of you here this morning need to say yes to Jesus for the first time. You've never made Jesus the Lord of your life. You've never said, Jesus, I want you in my life. I wanna be in your life. And you just need to say yes to Jesus. I wanna encourage you to do that this morning. In fact, you may be here this morning and you brought somebody and you're not sure if they've said yes to Jesus yet. Here's what I'd like for you to do is just in this next song, just to ask them, have you given your life to Jesus? Is that something that you wanna do? And then let them pray with you. Can you do that? And I believe that Jesus wants to meet you here this morning. If you don't have anybody to pray with, I'll be sitting right up here and I would love to pray with you to give your life to Jesus. We say this, giving your life to Jesus is not the end, it's just the beginning. God has so much life for you. Let me pray for you, church. Jesus, I thank you that you came to set us free. Lord, right now, in your name, I just come against those lies that some of us are believing, I will never be free from this. I just declare that is a lie over your life and it breaks now in the name of Jesus. 
some of you are here this morning and you're so stuck because in your sin, what sin does is it begins to open a door for the enemy to begin to work. You've been oppressed by the voice of the enemy keeping you stuck. And I believe that Jesus wants to set you free this morning. In fact, if that's you, I wanna just invite you to come down front along with just folks that are just needing to pray for freedom in our ministry team. They're just gonna walk by and just pray for you. They're not gonna pray with you. They're just gonna pray over you. And I believe that Jesus wants to bring freedom this morning. And so I just wanna encourage you now as the band begins to play, just to to step forward, to come on down and just make a, a declaration that I'm done. I am moving forward. I'm breaking those patterns. Some of you are just stuck in in gossip. Some of you with pornography. Some of you just with judgment and criticism, with anger. I believe that God is just breaking stuff off of you. Jesus, we thank you that you came to set us free. That we would no longer be slaves.